0: Thank you for listening to the Vine Church LV podcast. For more information, go to www.thevinechurchlv.com. How's everyone doing today? <laughs> really good. I, I'm excited. Um, this series has one more week after this, but this is my last week preaching the series because uh, next week we're going to let uh, our, our very own teacher, Thomas, throw down a message. About, uh, did Jesus really say that family first? So, yeah, get excited. But on the bright side, we don't have to talk about that. We can talk about repentance today. Because uh, that's what, that's what everyone wants to talk about when they come into church. Uh, but no, uh, so like I've said, the whole point of this series has been from the very start to take things that I see in our church, not the church at large. Some of this stuff, a lot of this stuff is in the church at large. It's why it's in our church. But the intention of this message has been, okay, what's going on in our church? Let's talk about, are these things biblical? Not because I want to laugh at you and say, hi, your theology's so bad, because that doesn't help anybody. But because what I've found is a lot of the theologies that we believe that aren't true, they actually hold us back from walking in the fullness of what God has. They actually stop us from walking in power and everything we want. It's like, man, I believe in this, but I have to do this, this, and this first. And it's like, well, that's bad theology. Just go take this, right? And so with everything going on in this church, I'm really adamant that we begin to walk in the power that God has given us and really walk in the grace and the mercy of the kingdom of God. And I think uh, rearranging how we see things, and I I know we talked last week about, uh, the week before last week about spiritual warfare. And uh, I'm glad because I really think It seems like it's changed the way we talk about certain things, which has been the intention. I absolutely love the conversations I've been having because of this series. And let's face it, though someone would tell you the point of Sunday is to come hear a message and go home, the point of Sunday is to come be a part of the community. Uh, The message is just to encourage the body and keep us on the right track, but this isn't the main point of Sunday. Preaching needs to always be secondary to what we're doing as people together. Yeah, you're good. Amen? Um, and so, I, like I said, we've had really great conversations, um, even in my own home, uh, when we talked about religion versus uh, spirituality versus what the Bible actually says. Uh, my wife and I actually sat down, and there were certain things that we had to change in our house to really fit, to fit what the Bible said on the topic. And as I studied it out, I was like, oh... Oh, no, like, you know, but the whole point of learning things about God is changing our life accordingly as we go so we can meet him. You don't have to be perfect today. You just have to keep walking as you learn about God. Amen. Um, it's why Jesus spoke in parables. You know, he, he, we get judged harsher according to what we know and understand. Right, And so that's why he doesn't just download everything and expect us to live to a certain standard. He teaches us as we go and fills us with his Holy Spirit. Amen. So this week we're going to talk about repentance. Did Jesus really say that? I know that originally I told you we were going to talk about generational curses. Uh, but I really feel like when we talked about spiritual warfare, we covered the topic. Uh, do you have generational curses? Not if you have Jesus. The Bible said "Cursed is he who hangs upon a tree and he took the curses for us. So you, you, can't, you can't have that. So you got you to gotta throw that away. Well, my generational curse. Well, I know someone who had cancer and their mom had cancer. Dad, hey, okay, well, that's, that's genetics. That's not a curse. You know, that's fallen nature. When, G, when God said, because you've sinned, now there's sickness, and now there's pain in childbirth. Like, but that's not like a generational curse. That's, that's just sin. You know, um, And so I don't want us to get lost on that topic. No, no one's an alcoholic because of a curse upon them. It's they saw their parents as one and they fell into the same habit. That's not a curse. That's a how's your soul, right? Like how did you respond to what you saw? Like You know what I'm saying? Because at the end of the day, we have to be responsible for our own actions. And many of these doctrines that we build up allow us to shove away from facing what's really going on in me. You know, and so like I said, the whole, if like, if I could say, did Jesus really say that, kind of like the little movie poster line of this series would be, how's your soul? How are you doing really? And why do we believe these things? And why do we embrace these doctrines? And so today we're going to talk about repentance, what it is and what it isn't. And we're going to talk about how to walk in it correctly. Amen. So I hope you guys are excited. I've been out of breath since I ran up here and I've stayed out of breath and I'm kind of like offended because that that means I'm getting fat. Um. (laughs) I blame my wife, she cooks really good, and then she got pregnant, and then I'm like, I'm just going with the trends of the house, you know, and it's just, it's really affecting me as a person, so give me, I walked up like three stairs the other day, and I was like, it's game over, I'm done, I'll meet you halfway, I need a juice box right now, we don't have juice boxes, but we, we need juice, yeah, Haas is on it, Haas is on board, teacher, you'll catch up. Well, he's working in construction. He might not. That's the trick. We got to get construction jobs, bro. Yeah. Anyway, I'm gonna pray out. This is a good message, guys. Uh, no, I was kidding. God bless. You know, um, repentance. So there are two things I hear about repentance all the time. Dear Lord in heaven, bless this message. Thank you for reminding me before I forgot because I do that sometimes, God, but I love you. I praise you, God. I pray our hearts are open to let things shift how we see things and how we believe things, Lord, for God. We know that you are our Lord and you are our Savior. And God, I pray that we bend a knee and submit to the things you've called us to do and who you've called us to be, God. And I thank you that it's you and you alone who teaches us, prepares us, and empowers us to do the things you've called us to do, Lord. And in Jesus' name I say Amen. So there are two really common things I hear people say repentance is. Uh, the really common ones, and then there's people who know the right answer. Uh, repentance in the Greek is used 24 times, and it's called. It's the word is metanoia. Can you guys say metanoia? metanoia. I made that up. That's not, I'm just kidding. It is the real word, but like you would have believed it. <laughs> uh, so uh, metanoia, and it means to change one's mind, right? And so the two ways I really hear people change this up, and here's one of them, but here's the big one. Repentance, some people translate it to, I'm sorry. Have you ever, someone's got to repent, you know what I'm saying, they're mad about it. Um, Have you ever heard someone tell you, hey, you need to go repent to that person? Have you heard that saying? You know that's 100% unbiblical? And it's 100% not what that means at all? Repentance means to change one's mind. So yeah, go repent, go change your mind to that person. Like, that's actually kind of nonsensical, right? You need to go up to that person and change your mind in their face. Like, right? So we got to stop saying the phrase... I don't really, I know what we're saying. We're saying, hey, go apologize. Go, hey, go, go. go, you know, take ownership for what you've done. And that in and of itself is not a bad thing. But what's happened is it's changed our perspective on what repentance is. And so now we think repentance is to apologize. And so someone comes to me and they're like, yeah, I keep struggling with the sin and I keep repenting, but I keep doing it. And it's like, well, no, because repentance is to change your mind so you wouldn't keep doing it. So you're saying you're sorry and you're calling it repentance, right? Um, There's a verse in the Bible where Paul, he, he writes, of the corinthian church right and he just like beats them up you know and the next book he writes he says i am so glad that you guys were sorrowful no he said i'm glad that you guys were sorry and that your sorrow led to repentance so if repentance meant to say sorry that sentence would be i'm i know you were sorry but i'm glad that instead your sorrow led to you being sorry That actually doesn't make any sense at all. That's actually talking in circles, right? And so if you read the verse for the Bible and you read any word for repentance, it's like, say sorry for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And it's like, I I don't think that's what that means. (laughs) You know, Uh, it's not. And and there are plenty of times in the Bible where Paul would say, hey, be sorry and repent, right? So be sorry and be sorry, right? So we want to avoid (laughs) the way we look at repentance like that. All right, y'all. Give me a shot real quick. Y'all need to wake up, and I'm sad about it, right? <laughs> Worship was too dang good for us to stay down, amen? Um, no, but we can't. So, I'm sorry is not repentance, right? And so, uh, guys, let's just, let's just kill the phrase in the church, I'm going to go repent to that person. 24 times in the entirety of the New Testament, the word repentance is used, and never once is it referenced to another person. It's always to God, right? It's not a thing between people. Amen? The other thing people use it as, is to change your actions. And it's also not that, the step. It's also not that, right? So, oh my gosh, I don't know what to do. I'm going come over here. I keep falling off the stage. Um, there, <laughs> there's a verse in the Bible, where the Bible says, repent, you know, and turn to God. And many people, when they say your actions change, they say, well, what does repentance mean? It means to turn around. To turn to God. So that scripture would say, turn to God and turn to God. Right? Now, the Bible does say that sorrow leads to a godly repentance. And that repentance leads to actions. And so I'm not saying that sorry isn't a part of the process. And I'm not saying that turning around and having different actions is not a part of the process. But what the truth is, is that repentance is to change your mind. And so when I'm sorrowful, I begin to think, how can I, I don't want to see this this way anymore. I don't want to do this this way anymore. And we begin to see the thing we saw as beautiful, that now we're sorry about it. We begin to see it as ugly, which causes us to turn away from it. Right? But the repentance was just the middle part of seeing that as ugly and think, I can't think that way anymore. And that's why really the series has always been down to how's your soul, because if your soul is your mind, heart, body, like, you know, the soul is the mind, the heart, the will, William Perry, emotions, right? Like that, It's all that stuff. So how's your soul? Because really what, what is going on is it's turning away from the flesh and turning to face the things of the spirit, right? But there's no actions yet. It's just my thought process. So when Paul says renew, renew your mind daily... He's saying, go back to the place of repentance daily. Right? So I want us to take us to Acts chapter 3, verse 19. And we're going to look at this just really quick. Repent, therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out, so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. So the refreshing, the, the the sins being blotted out, all that is after repentance. Right, Because when the, when the people come to, to Peter and say, what must I do to be saved? The Bible says that Jesus says, repent and sin no more. Right, Because you can't sin no more and then repent. You have to change your mindset before you can live the life that is sinless. Right, And so when Peter says, you keep falling into these snares, you keep falling into these traps, he's saying, why are you still thinking the same way? Why do you keep seeing things the same way you've seen them before? Guys, what is the definition of insanity? It's to not, really, so in Christian terms, it's to, be, to try to be a Christian, but not to repent. That's the definition of insanity, right? Because I can tell you something about, about my life. Um, when I was in the intern program um, at the Church LV, I would wake up every morning. This is my, my little to-do list. Um, wake up in the morning. I would try to go pray. But instead, I'd watch something I shouldn't watch. And then I would go to the intern program. I'd come home, (laughs) do it again, Um, eat, and then go to bed, right? And then I'd wake up and be like, okay, well, today, I'm not going to do it. I'm going to go pray. So I tried to go pray, and I ended up watching, you know, that video that I shouldn't have watched and then I get up and go to the intern program and get convicted and be like okay well now I'm going to be right from here and then I get home and be like you know I'm going to start tomorrow because it's greater news each morning and so then I did it again then I had dinner and then I went to bed and then I woke up the next morning and you'll never believe it when I woke up I was like not today Satan went to try to pray Watched that thing I shouldn't have watched got up and did the intern program oh, this is like nine months and I'm un- it's unfortunate but that's really was my first steps I was I got saved in the intern program I had just found Jesus and I was trying but the problem was I still liked this thing and I knew in my head that I shouldn't but the heart was still there because I hadn't repented of it yet I I I said sorry I I I attempted to repent I really thought I was repenting but I wasn't and the cycle the vicious cycle kept going over and over the problem was my mind hadn't repented of that sin yet because I still desired those things and here's the trick that's And I know many of us probably have those things in our lives now. And it's actually insane. You were never meant to overcome sin. You were meant to look to Jesus. So you have to turn your mind. You have to change the way you think and stop thinking like you used to think and think like God called us to think. Repentance, at the end of the day, is just a mindset issue. And those of you who are like, oh, man, my struggle is I have stinking thinking. I always think bad. I always think wrong. It's like, that's like a repentance thing. That's like a repentance issue, if it's the consistent mindset that I can't overcome. And, and, and I suspect, if I'm being honest, before we shift in to the main story of the day, I suspect we started preaching things like that because we wanted to fill up churches. And to change your mindset in order to be saved and know Christ, that's hard. But if you say you're sorry, you can keep coming and throwing tithe in the bucket. And so I think what happened is eventually it became a normal thing because we lowered the bar to make things more accessible, but we stopped defining things the way God defined them. And then now there's a bunch of arguments. Well, can you lose your salvation or can you not? No, you can't. The problem is your definition of salvation is here and Christ is here. Right? And there's all this wiggle room that isn't what the Bible would define as I know God. Right? And this isn't a message of, hey, you're not saved Let's pray out, right? That's not what I'm saying, but really what I think is if Paul says, hey, you need to renew your mind daily before God, there's something that when I get up, with daily, there's something when I get up that I have to do to establish that same mindset, right? There's a lifestyle that we lead. Why does Christianity have all these rules? It really doesn't. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, body, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. Why does the Bible qualify all that stuff? So you can start walking the path you need to walk because eventually it changes your minds that guys, this is just science. Your mind takes 21 days to build a habit, good or bad. Right? And so if we consistently live a life before God daily, one day we'll look up and that's just kind of who we are. And in the process we say, I don't think I need to change. No one's going to change me. But then secretly we want to be like someone but we won't live the life they lived to get there. You know? And so I want to take you to a moment in the Bible, in the book of John, probably chapter 21. Probably should know that. But when it comes up, 21, y'all, i saying, I could have been confident and it would have been killer. Um, and, and, and we're going to focus on Peter today. Uh, Peter is just, I love Peter so much. I tell you guys all the time, everyone reads the Bible and they want to be a Paul. I want to be like Paul or I'm like David or I'm like Josh. And I see Peter put his foot in his mouth consistently and I'm like, my man, right there. That's my anointing. That's my calling. I have like the spirit of Peter. We don't do that. That's not a real thing, but I'm joking. Uh, I have, you know what I'm saying? Like, this is like, I see it and I'm like, oh my gosh. And God used him. Thank you. Like I got an opportunity and a chance. Cause I look at Peter and I'm like, you know what? I'm not that bad. Hopefully. I don't think if the presence of God landed in a place, I would try to work. I would try to, like, make it about me. I'm pretty sure I'd be like, oh, my God, this is God. I'm going to bow my face. And Peter's like, yo, like, hey, I'm the main disciple here. You want me to build Jesus? You know what I'm saying? Like, he's just the dummy. And, like, God's like, hey, Peter, shut up. And I can really, I can really understand that. You know what I'm saying? Like, I look at Peter getting told shut up by God twice, right? No, you can't die, Jesus. Get behind me, Satan. Yo, if I said that to any of y'all, you'd leave the church. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? You'd be like, I'm done. You guys are a cult. And it's like, Jesus said I'm just quoting the Bible. Um, (laughs) But I really relate to that. Because what did Jesus say? Hey, Peter, shut up to the 10th degree. And I'm like, oh, yeah, you've told me that, God. (laughs) I really feel that. So I love Peter. Um, Peter was... With Jesus in the garden, just as Jesus was about to die. And all the disciples are there, and the soldiers come and they try to get Jesus. And they walk up and they say, Are you God? Are you, no, they don't. They say, Are you Jesus? And he says, I am. And they fall over. He's like, This is kind of cool. Because right? if I'm Peter at this moment, I'm like, oh, we're about to kill the game. Like, he's just going to do that everywhere we go and we're done. Right? I am. I am. Just like knocking people down, right? And then we're going to rule Rome and that's it. And if anyone tries to mess with us, I am. Poof, right? We got this. And they come again. And, and Peter's getting excited. Hey, are you Jesus? I am. Boom. Down for the count. And Peter's like, oh, I know what we're doing here. I know what we're doing here. And so the next group comes. Are you Jesus? Pulls his sword out and just judo chops someone. He overstepped himself. He got excited. He got zealous. I can relate. <laughs> you know, I'm looking, I'm like, yeah, cut his ear off, bro. Like, I know the story now. But when I'm first reading, it, I was like, yeah, where were you, John? The one who Jesus loved. He's cutting ears off. Where are you at, bro? You know what I'm saying? And then Jesus looks and he says, yo, don't do that. Puts the ear back, which the heck, um, <laughs> just puts it back on. And is like, listen, we don't do that, like, probably casually. Like, we don't do that in this. And it's like, Yo, there's an ear. And, and then they take Jesus away, and Peter dips, which is ridiculous to me, because I probably would have been like, I don't know, I'm just gonna follow, I'm with him. <laughs> you know? um, and, and they go and they're following Jesus. And when G- Peter was so confident and he was so strong when he was by Jesus, but he let distance happen between them, and he's walking at a distance from Jesus and he sees one of the guards slap Jesus. And the Bible's actually really poetic and beautiful and interesting in this moment. It says that when he gets slapped and then Peter freaks out and starts to run away and starts denying Jesus and it's like, whoa, weren't you the guy cutting ears off like an hour ago? But now you're scared because there's distance when he denies him three times, the rooster crows, and I forget which book of the Bible, but one of them is so poetic because then it says, as the rooster crows, Jesus looks up and locks eyes with Peter, which is the worst, <laughs> right? Like, you ever, like, had, like, a super bad day where you fell into a crazy sin and God's still good to you? I've had that, and Peter's, like, sitting there, like, and then he runs, and he's gone. And when Jesus gets crucified, Peter's not at the foot of the cross. John is. But Peter's not at the foot of the cross. And so what Peter just did is Peter fell into sin. And then Jesus comes back and they start hearing stories of him resurrecting. But he's not staying. He's popping up and then he's leaving again and he's popping up and he's leaving again. And, and I, I think, honestly, I think Peter doesn't know what to do. Right. And I think many of us can vouch for that if you know God or if you have a history with uh, with knowing Jesus that when you were close and you were on fire and you were in the moment and you were praying and you were involved in worship and you were on the the worship team and you were on the evangelism team. And, and, oh, my God, I'm going to kill the game. And, you know, like the youth group, I love this youth group. And now it's once a month. That's its own thing. Uh, This youth group. I love this youth group. Like I'm on fire. This church is amazing. And then we distance we distance off. And then now we're, we're tired, and, and what do we do? We, we go back to what we used to do, which is literally the opposite of repentance, right? So it's like you unrepent, kind of, right? And so when my mind had changed and fixed on the things of God, my mind shifts back to the things of the world. And when you first find Peter in the Bible, you find him fishing on a boat with his family. And Jesus walks up to the bank and says, hey, catch the net on the other side. And he picks up fish. Novel concept. And he jumps out of the boat and they begin to worship Jesus. And Jesus says, follow me and I'll make you fisher of men. And they start to preach the gospel and walk in miracles. And, and then Peter runs away from Jesus. And he looks at the fact that he's a fisher of men. And he lays it down and hops back on the boat. From his calling into where he was called from. And now Peter's in the exact spot he started three years ago. Something else we can probably relate to sometimes. How did I get here? And why am I starting from scratch again? When did I let this distance happen? The things of the world so distracted me and got in my way. How did this happen? We hadn't repented. And our mindset was still, we still had something to go back to. And so we go to the book of John. And in John chapter one, twenty John chapter twenty one, verse one, after these things Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the sea of Tiberias, and in this way he showed himself. Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee and the two of and two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. And they said, We are going with you also. Careful who you follow. Because Peter's going back and he's bringing a grip of people with him. And these people were on fire and they were the closest to Jesus. And the second we let distance happen, I don't care how strong you are, you'll always go back to where you started. Amen? We're going with you all, so they went out and immediately got into the boat. This is where he met me three years ago. And that night they caught nothing. I've heard someone say something really beautiful about that. The reason they caught nothing is because it was because of the grace of God, right? And and something I think is beautiful is sometimes it's the grace of God that you can't succeed in what you used to succeed in. Because then you'll go back, but God loves you too much, and he calls you to something greater. And so sometimes we used to be really killer at something. We used to be great at something, but it took us from God, and then suddenly it starts to fall apart, and it doesn't work. I can think of relationships that fell apart, and people are like, God, where are you? And it's like, no, he graced you. (laughs) He got you out of that relationship because he's going to take you to something better. And it was the grace of God that didn't let that work out for you. Amen? And so Peter's in a situation where he can go back and be a fisherman and work full-time, but God's not letting him succeed where he found him in the beginning. Peter's come too far, he's seen too much, and he knows too much, and Christ isn't going to let him succeed in his failure. And when morning had come, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Then Jesus said to them, children, Have you any food? I would like to point out that in the Greek, that word food is meat, and we'll get back to that. And they answered him, no. It's a good answer. And he said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. So they cast, and now they were not able to draw it in because of the multitude of fish. That's a good day, especially when you're a fisherman. Therefore, the disciple whom Jesus loved, self-titled, Uh, said Peter it is the Lord just so everyone knows I noticed first now when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord he put on his outer garment for he had removed it it's a crazy day and he plunged into the sea but the other disciples came in a little boat for they were not far from land but about 200 cubits dragging the net with fish I'm going to come this way now. Then as soon as they had come to the land, they saw a fire of coals there and fish laid on it and bread. Another good day. And Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish which you have just caught. Some would call that tithe, but that's not its own message. Simon Peter went up and dragged the net to land, full of large fish, 153. Y'all, can we just talk about the fact that someone counted all those fish? Probably Thomas not you I just mean like you're the doubter bro count it right um not only was he the doubter he also then went on the boat yeah no you suck bro count the fish not him uh Simon Peter went up and dragged the net to land of oh, 153 and although there were many the net was not broken I love that, that one slide for broken like That's not a confirmation on nothing, just so you guys know. And Jesus said to them, come and eat breakfast. Yet none of the disciples there asked him, who are you, knowing that it was the Lord? Because he's looking fresh in his new body now. Jesus then came and took the bread and gave it to them, and likewise the fish... And this is now the third time Jesus showed himself to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. Which is another point. How many times has God shown himself to you, you repent, you come close to him, and then you let distance happen again, and then he shows up and you come close to him. This is the third time and they're still on the boat. God can save anyone, right? No matter how far you've gotten, no matter how far you've ran, no matter how much distance there's been between you and God, no matter how long it's been since you've prayed, since you've done right, how long it's been since you've done that sin that you know God has called you not to do, or as long as you've been that person that you know God has called you not to be, he can still show up and be there in just a moment. Amen? And when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? And he said to him, yes. Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, feed my lambs. And he said to him again a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you, he said to him, tend my sheep. And he said to him the third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he had said a third time, which is ironic because he denied him three times. Not too bad, but I I have to confirm my love three times. Now I'm grieved. Um, because he said to him a third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Most assuredly, I say to you, when you were younger, you girded yourself and walked where you wished. But when you were old, you stretched out (laughs) your hands and another will gird you and carry you where you do not wish. This he spoke signifying by what death he would glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said to him, Follow me. Uh, Dear Lord in heaven, I pray for these last 18 minutes and 45 seconds, God, uh, that you would speak to us. That God, it it wouldn't be rushed. It would be exactly as you need it to be, exactly as you've called today to be. God, I pray that you would touch us, prepare us, Lord, that we would see repentance from the correct lens, God, not saying I'm sorry and not acting different, God, but, but living a life that's different, God, beginning to think differently and seeing the things that you see as beautiful as beautiful and seeing the things that you don't love, God, as as something not to be looked upon, God, we love you and we praise you and I pray that you would be our chief affection, Lord, and in Jesus' name I say, amen. So, um, I'm the oldest of eight siblings, a lot of people... Don't know that, uh, because they've only met a few of my siblings. But out in California, I have three other siblings. Uh, There's Sterling. He's the oldest. I'm older than him, but he's the oldest. He's taller than me. His eyes are bluer than mine. His hair is blonder than mine. His his jaw is squarer than mine. He has wider shoulders, and he wrestles in the wrestling team. And I don't think that's fair. And I've been talking to God about it, but nothing's changed here, and he just keeps getting more handsome. And it's annoying. Like, he met my wife, and I was like, yeah, what's up, bro? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, but no, he's like, it's like, and his voice is deep. Like, just just add insult to injury. And then I look at his feet, and they're not shaped like mine. And I have hobbit feet. And so, like, I just look at that, and I'm like, (laughs) it's not right. It's not fair. I'm often offended, and it's like, God's got to work on me on that because it's like, where were you on that one? You know what I'm saying? Um actually can we just talk about that for the last 18 minutes like I really need this uh, I'm just kidding um <laughs> but but so then we also have two other sisters uh one is Stella and when she was a baby she was the cutest she's shy now but she was loud hard-headed but she was so cute she had like these big cheeks and she just wanted to pinch them on her hair was bright blonde she was like Hannah but was like longer hair and like and like she likes you you know what I'm saying like those are the differences but otherwise look but it's like because Hannah's just one of the cutest babies I've ever seen and she reminds me of my little sister Stella and uh and that's Stella but when she was little she was evil and we're going to talk about that and then the last one was Sapphire she's the youngest of any of my siblings super cool name oh yeah let's talk Sterling's name is cooler than no I can't all right so Sapphire, (laughs) Sapphire She was like the classic younger sibling, like the pleaser, wanted to help everyone, wanted to do everything for people. But on the same note, she walked sooner than everyone. She talked sooner than everyone. You know, like the classic things they say, that younger children learn all these things quicker because they want to catch up with their siblings. And so we decided we were gonna play hide and seek in the house. We are younger, I think I was like 12. And what, what was beginning to unfold is what I like to call the can opener incident. Yeah. It's going to go that way. Um, (laughs) And so... So we did the thing where you play hide and seek, and like I was at first because I was the oldest, and like like it was like a movie, like where they hide, and like you can see like Stella's feet popping out, and you're like, oh, where is she? You know, and like I always wanted to be like nice and like and like oh, I can't find you, but like I was really like competitive, so I just like smashed them all, like you know, I was like found him in three seconds, and I was like I'm the champ. Um, but I'd always make sure I found Sterling first so that he would be it. See, here's the thing: uh, when, when 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 we were little, he was short and chunky, and I was like. I'm the best looking, and then God got me, um, whatever, but that's neither here nor there, it's just going to come up a few more times, that's why, yeah, no, that's why, um, <laughs> but, but it's, so it's just like, it's, okay, but I always tag him first, because yeah, he's going to be it, and it was the most fun when he was it, because he actually had a chance of finding me where everyone else would be like, where is he, and I'm like, on the bed, laying there, like, you know, they're dumb, um, so I'd find him on, and then Sterling was it. And, and he was like me in the sense that he liked to get Stella first, right? So we're all hiding. And I'm hiding behind my closet door. And Sapphire's under the bed. And Stella's hiding in the same spot she was the last round. And so he walks over. And he tags her. And she knows, because I got tagged first, I have to be it next round. And she got mad and called him a cheater. And I don't know how you cheat and hide and seek. I guess you peek. But we've closed the door, so she called him a cheater, and she ran downstairs, and he's like, okay, and then he went, and he found Sapphire under the bed, so he crawls under the bed, and as he's crawling, I realize, oh, he, I hear Sapphire yelling. I'm like, I'm victorious. Again, first old, firstborn, oldest, and I'm the best at hide-and-seek. That's important especially when you're 12, and, and I run around the room to come see them, and I see Sterling's under the bed trying to get Sapphire, and Stella comes rounding the corner, very angry, with a red rubber gripped can opener, metal, like those old fat ones, right? <laughs> and she comes, and I, I watch, because <laughs> I was standing there, and I'm like, what is she doing? And she comes, she does like a ballerina kick, and like, brings it down full force on Sterling's back, Back cuts open, blood almost like... And I look, and here's something I know about being the oldest. I'm going to get in trouble, even though I didn't do anything. So no one saw me, except for Stella, and she was in a blind rage, and I went back to my hiding spot. That's also a true story. It's not part of this. I just wanted you to know what I did. And I hid... And my mom comes running upstairs, when I hear around the corner, I come out, and I'm like, what happened? You know, like, and then I run, and I'm like, oh, I think it came from here. And we run into the room, and we around the corner, and they patch up Sterling. It's a big ordeal. You guys can't play hide-and-seek together anymore. Stella, tell Sterling you're sorry. I'm sorry. I don't think she's sorry, guys. <laughs> right? And it's, she rolled her eyes and went, I'm sorry, but he cheated. That's not sorry. Like, you know what I'm saying? like, it's like a fake sorry. Like, her mindset's can be exactly the same. She still thinks she was right. There's no repentance in this. God is not in the room in the moment, you know? And we're sitting there, and sh- you guys just can't play hide-and-seek anymore. So Sterling heals. A couple weeks pass, and we have an idea. Let's play hide-and-seek. And this begins what I call the second can opener incident. I'm not even kidding. And so, <laughs> this isn't a joke. This is how I grew up. It was like, like, freaking Vietnam out there. And so, we... <laughs> Right, with a white family. Like, it's just fine. It's like a nice area. Like, we're doing great, but it's numb because there's a can opener. And so we come right. And so we play hide and seek, and I was it first because I'm the oldest. And I want to be nice to them, but I'm competitive. I'm the older brother. So I just smash them. But I tag Sterling first because I like it when he's it. Now, here's the thing about Sterling Sterling's just like me. Sterling's just like me, he likes when Stella's it first. And so Stella hid in the same, I can't, I remember the situation so well, because it's like, you know, like when there's traumatic events, are like there, you know? So Sterling hid, Stella hid in the same place she hid the last time all this started, and I looked at her hiding spot, I'm like, I'm gonna hide behind the closet. And Sapphire laughs and goes under the same bed. <laughs> this is actually anarchy, like you can, like, it's like nothing, this is insanity, but we're gonna play along. Because I'm not the one that gets it was a can opener in the end. Uh, if, if anything, as you recall, I actually won the game. So I'll play again. Um, I was the kid when I was younger that would take my toy and go home. I, I hate that I was that way, but I still kind of am a little bit. Um, but this, I guess it's also not here. Uh, or there. And so Sterling finds Stella. She says, you cheated. And she runs downstairs. <laughs> and Sterling ever the clever one, Um, got on the floor, found Sapphire under the bed, and crawled under the bed. And I I know, here's what I know, oh, he's about to get Sapphire, I'm gonna win. So I'm gonna walk into the room, and I'm gonna watch Sterling beat Sapphire so I can be like, oh, I win, guys. So I walk in the room, and I'm standing there watching him, and I hear Stella screaming, and Stella rounds the corner with a red rubber gripped can opener, one of those old fat ones, and she runs, she does a ballerina kick, and she slams it on his back, and the same gash opens up. And I look at that, and I'm like, I'm the oldest. I'm going to get in trouble. And so I go back and hide behind the closet. That's not important. I just want you to know that I did that. And, and I hear my mom run up the stairs, and I come out. I'm like, What happened? And we run into the room. I'm not even kidding. We round the corner, and we're like, whoa. And so they patch up Sterling, and they say, Stella, apologize. And Stella says, I'm sorry, rolls her eyes and says, but he cheated. So we didn't play hide-and-seek for a couple weeks. And then we played hide-and-seek. I'm just kidding. It only happened twice. But I wish it happened a third time so I could say this one more time through. But here's the thing, guys. That 100% is how we interact with God. Right. If I can be so bold as to say that we come before God, God, I'm sorry, I sinned, and even in the sin, even in the prayer, like I've prayed prayers knowing that after that prayer I was going to go do exactly what I was praying about. I've done that, right? I think that's something many of us do. And the other thing that people do (laughs) is they think that their works is somehow the thing that makes repentance. Right? Now, repentance leads to works. If you're working so that you can change your mind, then you're you're out of order. But Well, you have to stop considering if you're in this cycle. Here's the absolute truth. You're not in repentance. Repentance can't have that same cycle, right? Because repentance is to change your mind. And your mind isn't changed if you're doing the same thing week in and week out. That's just by definition. That's not even like me being me. That's just like by definition of changing your mind. If you're still doing it, your mind isn't changed and so there's no repentance and so i think a, a question we have to ask ourselves if i believe jesus christ is my lord and savior and i'm saved and i believe in god and but but any i'm trying and i'm praying and i'm seeking but i keep getting caught in the same trap over and over again what is going on how does this work and why is it doing why is it like this right and the question i ask people is how's your soul because the truth is at the end of the day when we look at that sin it's because we don't want to change it. Um, but I do think there are things we can do every day before God. Things we can think on and meditate on and focus on that lead to a mindset that truly is repentant. And, and I want to use Peter as an example. And I want to hit those five points really quick. It's not a lot. It's just a little bit. Uh, but these are important things to look at, to look to. right? And so we discussed with Peter that Peter was found in the boat with no with no fish in his boat, and he's trying, he's trying to catch, and he's failing. Now, fast rewind, fast rewind, uh, rewind, back to when Jesus first found Peter. Peter's in a boat, fishing all night, and he can't catch any fish. And Jesus has "Cast your net on the other side, and it works. Now, three and a half years later, Peter's in the same spot, with the same Jesus telling him the same thing. Guys, Jesus, in this moment, is reminding Peter of his testimony. He's reminding Peter where he came from, and he's reminding Peter that I made you a fisher of men, not to go back and fish for the fish. And so I want to tell you that one of the important things to keeping your mindset and keeping your mind renewed and staying in the place of genuine repentance is to think on and be grateful for and be thankful for your testimony. What are the things that God has done in your life that have taken you out of your brokenness? What are the things that God, how are the times that God has shown up and really been there for you? Because even some of the most hurt, messed up, far from God people I've ever met, when I sit and talk with them, they'll tell me stories of times that God showed up to them. And I think they'll remember those things when someone talks about it, but they won't live a life that meditates on those things. It's something I tell you guys often. I call November my month of testimony. And what I do is I sit back and I re-listen to all the sermons that impacted my life. I go and I study all the main verses that have impacted me throughout my life. I I do things that literally take me back to that place, and I spend a month focused on that. In November, I got saved. In November, I got engaged. And in in the month of November, I got my first car. In the month of November, I got my first apartment. My wife, our due date is November 12th. And so it's looking like in November, I'm going to have my first child. November for me is such a big deal. And so I sit back and I get to remember, God, when you saved me, up on that hill when I was looking out over Vegas, you saved me. And God, when I was walking everywhere and I wasn't doing anything to buy a car, someone showed up and gave me some cash and helped me begin the saving process to get a car. God, you showed up and you loved me. And when we didn't have the money to rent an apartment. And, and the people actually lowered our threshold so we can go into the apartment. There was so much grace in that moment. And we're naming the baby Grace if it's a girl. And, and, and it's just like the beauty and the, it reminds me of where I've been and how how healthy this whole situation has been and the fact that I came out of tunnels with heroin needles in my arm and to have a healthy baby coming into this world, like that's a beautiful testimony and that's something I remember when things are falling apart and here's the important thing about a testimony we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the power of the testimony I feel like I'm not overcoming the enemy that you're not under the blood of the lamb, which is a saved thing, where you're not focused and you're not standing upon your testimony and how you got good with God in the first place. Our testimony is so important. And I think it's something that we throw to the side and we don't think about a lot. But testimony is almost everything when it comes to repentance because it keeps our minds on the right track. Thing number two to keep your mind on the right track, to keep yourself in the place of repentance, honesty. Honesty. Famous fishermen who used to travel with Jesus. Do you have any food on that boat? Do you have any meat? No. No, they they got honest, right? They were honest about the fact that they were failing. And, and, And guys, when the Bible would say to us, confess your sins to one another, I can think of so many times in my life that the reason I was far from God was because I had a sin I wasn't telling anyone about. Honesty helps us break barriers that keep us far from God. Honesty between our brothers in Christ and our sisters in Christ, that's something that kicks down walls. And sometimes, here's the truth, if you're stuck in a sin and you feel far from God, and you're like, God, why can't I experience you, right? Maybe you're not being honest about what you're going through. Because God is faithful. And here's the thing, God put you in a community with people who are faithful, and they will be faithful to you. And what you're going through. And I do think that many of us, we get ensnared in a secret sin. And the second you do that and you keep that sin secret, you're lost. You can't come back from that until you're honest. And here's the sad thing about that. The longer that time gets piled upon that struggle, the harder it is to be honest about it. But when you break out, and when you're finally honest, maybe a couple weeks of awkwardness, but you're so free. I mean, have you ever experienced? Just when you finally just lay it all out in front of people, when you finally come to the altar and just cry and give it all to God, and you go up to someone and say, "Hey, will you pray for me?" and they pray for what you're actually going through, and not that thing you say so people think you're holy and that you're committing and being honest about your sins, but that actual sin that's buried deep inside, guys. We can't hold on to that; it will destroy us. But Jesus has overcome that, and it's just time to talk about. It. it's just time to be honest about it and it's just time to be free about it do you have any meat on that boat no then cashing it to their side it was after the honesty that jesus moved right thing number three this is probably the most controversial on the list but i want you to really write it down works right if repentance leads to good works then having the right mindset while doing works will actually keep me in the place of repentance. And something that I would really love for you guys to write down, write this. Do we agree that the testimony is important for keeping us right with God? If you agree with that, write this down. Today's works are tomorrow's testimonies. Because that is a fact. Stop with having test. My testimony is, yeah, God moved last year. No, man, if we did works before God every day, our testimony could be, here's what God did yesterday. I went out in the street and I prayed for a homeless person and God moved and they got up and they began to proclaim his name in the glory. That was yesterday, so I'm on fire, guys. The farther your, your testimony is away from where you're at now, the harder it is to get the courage to go. But when it was yesterday and the day before and it was every day last week, you feel that fire and that passion begins to come back and you begin to run for the things of God. You begin to leap for the things of God and you begin to chase the things of God. And honestly, when we talk about works, here's something I see and it's in this room right now. People's eyes glaze over and it's because we don't want to work. We don't want to do the things of God. We don't want to do what he's called us to do. But guys, it will always, you always feel condemned in church if you're not doing the things God has called you to do because every message comes right into your house and tells you how much you're failing. And I don't want church to be that way for people. I want there to be breakthrough and joy and honesty and love and people finding Jesus and people finding God and people getting out of their stuff and their things. But it won't happen unless the church rises up and the church preaches. Because Paul says, how can they hear unless it is preached? There's a responsibility placed on us. And guys, if you're not doing works, you are not repentant. Faith without works is dead. Repentance without works is dead. Two more points. (laughs) Second point, third point, fourth point, there we are, fourth point. Putting Jesus first. That seems small, but here's what happens. We're at work, and someone needs to hear about Jesus, but we're embarrassed to say something in front of our other co-workers, and we picked, we picked people over God in that moment. And we built an altar to our, empl- our fellow employees instead of building it to God. And I think the whole concept of putting God first daily is one of the most practical things that we have to attempt every day because really everything in you wars against that. Because that means I have to let people in my house, even though other people in my house don't want them there. That means I have to put what Jesus would call me to do over my situation. And this means I have to walk outside and I have to sit with and feed and and, and love on a homeless person even though I have somewhere to be. And I'm barely making rent myself, so I can't pay for what this guy is going through. And I have to put that to the side and recognize that I'm going to put Jesus first in this situation. And that means even though I'm ashamed and I feel like, well, you don't know how dirty I am, I can't go and do this yet. But Jesus took your sin for you, so if you're putting Jesus first, your sin's not going to stop you from doing what he's called you to do. If anything, as you do it, your mind shift will begin to change and those sins will die behind you. Putting God first. Peter dove into the water. Peter's a fisherman. Peter's married. This is his income. And he leaves it all behind to get into the presence of the one who's going to give it to him. Right? He leaves everything he was searching for to get into the presence of the one who's going to give it to him. And when he gets up on the bank and when he goes in the presence of Jesus, what's the first thing Jesus does? He hands him a fish. Peter didn't leave it behind, right? I'm stealing this directly from one of my favorite sermons of all time. He didn't leave it behind, but instead he received it prepared by God for him. And so we can live lives where we say, Jesus, stay on the bank and occasionally speak in so I can, I can do what I want to do, and I'll prepare the fish, and I'll, I'll cut, and I'll cook, and I'll sell, and I'll make the cash, and I just need your favor occasionally so I can catch the fish. But there are Christians, there are people who are truly repentant that will leave it behind every time, dive into the water, and just take what is given to them by God. And yeah, I have to cut back a little bit, but I get something that's on fire and that was prepared specifically for me. Amen? And last but not least, when he dives into the water and he gets up on the bank, yeah, there's fish there, but more importantly, who's there? This is the first one, but I left it for last. Get into your secret place every day. Why do I keep falling into this sin? Because you won't just go be with him. You know? And I can genuinely feel pushback in this room today, in God's not mad at you, but things do have to shake up. There actually is freedom for you, but it's time to humble yourself. And Aaron, you can come up, or I'm going to talk forever, and plus, you make me sound more spiritual when you're up here. Um, you you'll suddenly just feel the urge to cry, and it's, you know. <laughs> um, but I'm already feeling that urge, Um. And when Peter gets into the presence of Jesus, everything he left behind was there but prepared for him. And he's enjoying and he's feasting in the presence of Christ. And then God begins to look at him and say to him, Peter, do you love me? And what he's doing is he's making Peter face his most recent sin. He denied God three times. is making Peter face his sin from the lens of Jesus, right? So instead of facing his sin from, I screwed up three times, saying for each one of your screw-ups, do you love me? Yes, and he says, then feed my sheep. What is he doing? Did you sin and leave me? Yes, you're still called Did you fall into a sin you shouldn't have fallen? And was there distance between us? Yes, but I love you, I know, so feed my lamb. What does that mean? You're still called. You haven't left it behind. You may have created distance, but I stood on the bank and I I cried out for you. And I called your name. And I blessed you even though you were far from me. And when he does that, have the wisdom to dive back to him. And God, I feel I messed up a third time, God. Yeah, but I still love you. And you still love me. And you're still called. In your secret place, you get the courage and you get the mindset to remember your testimony. In your secret place, with Jesus, that's your first step in being honest. Did you fail three times then succeed three times right now? And in the presence of Jesus, it gives you the courage and the wisdom to walk according to the works he's called you to walk. Uh, there are times where I've prophesied and prayed over people and, and given words to people, and I didn't think of it. It didn't come up in the moment. It came up when I was before God, and he said, you're going to tell this person this when I tell you to. And I wait for the moment, and people are like, wow, that was so profound. And it was like, no, it came from there, and I'm just pulling it out here. The secret place gives us the courage to walk into our works. And, guys, it's in the secret place that we really learn to put God first. So many of us fail the test of the world and we begin to let our shame tower over us because we didn't go into our secret place and let God knock it down for us. It gives you the courage to leave it all behind. Because when Jesus says to Peter, if you love me, here's the type of death you'll die. And then after all that he says, but follow me. He's building Peter up, that no matter what this world throws against you, You're going to be repentant. You're going to be right. And you're not going to go back to what you went back to. And you're not going to be who you used to be. Why? Go feed my sheep. When you begin to walk in your call, you'll begin to live right before me. And I know that may sound counterintuitive to what I said because you're not working for your right with God. But some of us are already right with God. We just keep falling back into this trap because we won't live the life he's called us to live. And so we're back and forth and back and forth and we're never on fire and we're never good. And anytime someone talks about this, we're bored. We don't want to hear it because this isn't for me. But if we were doing it, what would this church look like? It wouldn't look like this. And that's how you know it's not happening, right? I heard a story of a man, his name is Kien Pham. And uh, he was a translator for missionaries out in, I think it was Korea, but I could be dead wrong. And uh, he would translate and and then, you know, whatever regime came in began to come in and they began to kick the Christian ministers out and they began to really start to kill Christians and people and they took him because he was a translator and they put him in jail and they said he can't read the Bible and he can't read English ever again. He's been brainwashed and he's been lied to. And they put him in this jail cell and they say, here's the books you can read. They're only in his native language and it's books on Marxism. It's books on, you know, leaving... God, leaving religion, leaving capitalism, leaving all these things and I'm not saying that capitalism is of God, I'm just saying like you know what I'm saying, that these things, they don't work together and so they're beginning to clean his brain out of these things and he's struggling and he's spending days and days and he's, he's falling more and more distant from God because he's hurt and he's in pain and, and he finally prays a prayer to God, he says God this is going to be my last prayer to you I think they're right. I think I've been brainwashed. I think you must not be real. And so this is goodbye. I'm going to miss this cathartic thing, but it's not real. And he says goodbye to God. And he goes to bed that night, and the next day he wakes up, and they line up all the prisoners, and they give him latrine duty, which duty is kind of a pun. Um... They give him latrine duty and he has to clean out the crap. And when he sees some of the toilet paper and he thinks he sees English on the page and he's not read English in a long time. And so he pulls it, cleans it off and hides it in his pocket. And that night when he gets into his room and he closes the door and all of his bunkmates go to sleep, he pulls out a little light and pulls out just to read English again. And it's Romans chapter eight. And it's where God says, um, I'm convinced that all things work together for the good of those who love him. And as he reads down, it says, for I'm convinced that neither height nor depth. Right. No power, no principality. Nothing of this age and nothing to come can ever separate me from the love of God. And he falls on his knees and he begins to cry. And he prays this prayer and he writes down, he says, God, not even for a day would you let me out of your presence. And the reason I tell that story is because we we refuse to repent and refuse to submit to God and eventually we get so distant from him that we feel like we don't deserve to be in his presence anymore so we might as well just live out here and I'm telling you this man prayed an apostate's prayer. There are Bible verses saying he can't come back and yet God shows up and says you're my son whom I am well pleased I'm going to pull you into this place and I'm going to bring my love to you and what he found out was that one of the heads in that camp was given a Bible and was using it as toilet paper. Do you know what that translated to? Two, he got latrine duty every day and he got a bible verse every night because god is going to be faithful no matter your circumstance and your situation but something worth recognizing god being faithful doesn't mean things are good god was faithful when Enoch got taken up but god was also faithful to abel when he died right these blessings aren't according to what happens on this earth These blessings are according to me and my relationship with God. And I am blessed and I abound because I am in relationship with God. Amen. So, dear Lord in heaven, I pray for every person in this room. God, I pray that we would wake up to you, to your truth, to what you're doing, Father God. God, I pray that we would live righteous before you and get prepared and get ready, God, for the calling you have upon our lives. God, I pray for anyone in this room who has translated repentance to being sorry, God, and I God, they'd be free of that, God, not just sorrowful, but again, begin to change the mindsets, God, through our testimony, through honesty, through works. They're putting you first and seeking you every day in our secret place, God. But I pray for those who think that it's the works that are going to mean that they're right. And so, God, I pray that people would stop trying to put on a Christian mask, God, but they would come and meet you for who you really are, God. Know that they can be honest, know that they can be real, and know that they can be intimate before their Lord. And in Jesus' name I say, amen.